Scripture for today is in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had, he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying send us to the pigs let us enter them and so he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs in the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was sitting in the, pardon me, as he was getting into the boat, The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is the word of God to us. You may be seated. Friends, my name is Chad Puckett. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's a joy to get to meet you before, after the service. It's a joy, just as has been said, to grab a cup of coffee or or lunch. I can think of, just looking out here, I can see so many of you that we've gone and grabbed a burger together or or a cup of coffee. And and, and I just want you to hear that. It isn't just from me, it's from all of us. Like, we really mean that. We would love to hear your story. We'd love to hear how you ended up with us here today. and, And if there are ways in which we can be a blessing to you, if we can help you. I would just like to take a second to do a little bit of business and just simply give a little bit of an update. Uh, We've had a a young man and his wife, but he served here in our church for the last year. And then with the broader church of Frontline for the last three years, he did an internship and a residency. His name's Chase Haberlin. He's got a wonderful wife, Stacy, who's a teacher in El Reno. And we love them. We love them. He, his residency has ended with us. Uh, But we want to continue to honor them and and recognize this couple 
Chase and Stacy have served our church so well, and, and we love them and are praying for this next season that they step into, for God to bless it, for God to give grace and provision, for God to just do a, a, an amazing work in their lives. So we're excited for them and what the days are ahead. We're asking you to pray for them. We're asking you to, to uh, encourage them and be a blessing in their lives as you see them, and, and, and just uh, walk alongside them in the days ahead. They're entering into a ministry that's really beautiful, and we're asking God to do sweet things in it. So we wanted you to know that. Uh, as you see them, hug their necks, tell them you love them, and tell them thank you for serving this place. We're, again, we're in Mark chapter 5. We're walking through the book of Mark, and I encourage you, if you have a Bible, even if it's at home, even if you have to dig it out of someplace, I would encourage you to actually get it and, and open it up. If you don't have a Bible, I, I would love to help you get one. I, would, I will absolutely come alongside you. We actually have these journaling Bibles, which it's only the book of Mark, but it's Mark on one side, and it is uh, journal pages on the other, and you could uh, follow along. I'd give you that if you need one. We just think it's really important to actually be in the Bible, to whether it's on a device, whether it's in your hand, on a printed page, whatever that looks like. We just think it's really important that you see these aren't just words we're making up. These aren't things that we're trying to say. We're drawing everything that we're trying to do from the very word of God. It's living and active, and we believe it is a blessing for your life and for mine. And I just would encourage you, I want to help you be in God's word as much as I can. Okay, so we're right there in chapter 5, and this is a story that obviously I just read, but maybe you're familiar, maybe not, that's okay, we'll, we'll catch you up on that. But this is a story in which so often the attention goes to the pigs and the demons, even the townspeople when they're like, man, they're telling what happened, they were telling what happened to this dude, and they were telling what happened to the pigs, like, so much of the attention goes to the pigs. So much of the attention, like, uh, just highlight reel goes to, like, there were demons all over this guy. It was crazy. It was like some sort of horror movie and stuff. And then there were also pigs. And, and what I want you to see today is that there's actually something really beautiful that is happening right here in this story. It, it, it's, there's kind of three turns that we're going to make today. We need to see that this is... This is devastating. This story is actually really devastating. It's hard to read. It's hard to hear. It's sad on so many levels. It is devastating. It's also, it makes this second turn in which it's almost unbelievable. And I say almost intentionally because it is believable. It is true. And this is something that happened to a real person. In a real town, in a real spot, there's a reason it says the Gerasenes and the Decapolis on the other side of the lake. It's giving you a specific place at a specific time that this happened in someone's life. And then we get to this third turn in which it's almost entirely unexpected. Like where you'd expect this story to go, it just zigs when you're expecting it to zag. And I want us to see that as we walk through it, because if we lean into what's happening in this story, then, then really, who knows what God might do this morning? Who knows? I just have just prayed so much this week. I had a lot of time driving. We were driving home from Colorado, and it was just a lot of windshield time of just saying, God, what is in here for us? So I, want you, I just want you to jump in with me right into the text, into this first, first point, which is this is a story of desperation. 
This is a man who is desperate. This scene is hard to read. It's hard to get. It is suffering and it is desperate and it is a particular person that's going through it. Read with me verse 5. Just catch this. See it with fresh, fresh eyes, fresh ears. Night and day among the tombs. And night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I mean, just think about this. This guy is in like a really particular spot of desperation. He's mentally desperate. What does it do to someone who is living among the tombs? It, it, what does it do to your, 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 your just mindset? What does it do to you when you're, you're living there? You're alive, but you're among the dead. You're, you're in this place, but you're not. You're actually in the tombs. You're, you're cutting yourself. You're, you're, you're wilding out left and right. You've got all these things happening. It's just, it is just devastating. It's a, it's a man who's described as having an unclean spirit. And later on, it will call him the demoniac, some of your Bibles might say, or a, a man uh, consumed by demons in this. Like, what does that do to a human being mentally? This is a desperate story of a real human being. It, physically, it tells us that he's cutting. It, feel, it tells us that he's, he's destroying himself. He's crying out all day long. I don't know about you. We've had seasons of our life where we went through desperate grief. I remember, I, I remember my wife going to bed crying and waking up crying. And I think she cried all night long. And it, it was exhausting. She was exhausted. It's physically exhausting. We get this story here describing a man who is like crying out. He lives in the tombs among the dead. And he's crying out. Like if we just think like what happened to the pigs, we miss what's, what's happening to a man. And he's cutting, and I read this, and I, I realize that there might be people here that are cutting. There are people in your life that you know that are cutting. There are people that maybe this is part of your story in the past, and, and this, gets, this gets to flesh and bone real quick. That We have a man who is suffering mentally. He's desperate. He's suffering physically. He's also suffering socially. No one had the strength. No one had the strength to subdue him. And remember, here's what it said. It said, anymore. No one could bind him anymore. Like they were. Just think of the timeline that that lays out. It doesn't give us details, but it tells us like, this happened more than once to this guy. Here's a desperate guy. And notice what comes next, verse 6. Verse 6 says, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, I'm going to pause right here. I wonder... If there are people who walked in here today who are saying, God, what do you have to do with me? What would you even do with me? And I want you to read with us the rest of this story and hear what happens in this story because it, it, 
might surprise you. The next words out of this guy's mouth are not one of heal me, fix this, God set me free. He says this, he says, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Here's a guy that's desperate. He's not even hoping to be healed anymore. He's not even hoping to go back home. He's, he's like, just don't. Just don't beat me up. Just don't torment me. It's hard to know who's speaking here, right? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Is it the demon speaking? Is this him speaking? But like, none of that really matters. Maybe it's a mixture of all of it. But you hear a humanity in this. It's like everyone over there has just been hurting me. It's just don't hurt me. Just don't hurt me. It sounds like a really tormented dude. But then he gives his name. And he says, we are legion. Which is interesting, right? We are legion, meaning many. Like we're many. We're these demons that have taken over and consumed this person. And just catch this. Just kind of like step back from it. Forget about the pigs. And just think about this dude for a second. And think about what's being said. He's not even giving his name anymore. He's just giving an identity. And his identity is one of torment. <laughs> He's not even a person anymore. He's identifying as this else. We're legion. Like, like it's even changed his identity. This story is just desperation upon desperation. It's so painful to read. It's so hard to read. And then I realize it's, it, it's actually really similar to so many of our stories. There's so many people around us who are consumed by what they've done. Consumed by guilt or shame. Consumed by uh, brokenness. Decisions made, decisions not made. Life not going how we thought it was. There's a brokenness and a desperation in us. There's the, the person who had the abortion and are gripped with, with guilt over that. There's the, there's the man who forced someone to have an abortion and either is or should be forced of guilt with that. I'll, I'll just speak to husbands like there's plenty of us who walk around knowing that we're not the husband that we need to be. And there's a desperation in a lot of people. There's a desperation in so many of us that we carry in. And you can be in the right spot, right? You can be in the church service and you can be at, at the right time of the week in, the, in a seat and sitting up straight and you cleaned up for all of it. And yet you're still sitting here with this low-grade desperation that you're trying to mask and, and tamp down and just trying to get through. But you're sitting there and you're saying, God, what are you even going to do with me? This guy in this story, I think we would all say, this guy is a monster, right? And in many ways, big and small, we're monsters. (laughs) There's a desperation in us. And it's easy to get to a point, maybe like this man, where you, you think God can't fix me. And then you 
you go off the rails to another spot where, where you get to thinking, maybe God won't fix me. Maybe God won't come near me. Maybe God, maybe I've gone too far for God to do something in my life. This man actually knows who Jesus is. He, he is there. He comes up to Jesus, and, and the cry of his heart is, is really one of desperation. It's just a giving up. It's like, just don't hurt me anymore. But, but that, that's actually not what happens. That's not what Jesus does. It's why I say that the, sec, the, the next turn for us, this second turn, is one that is almost unbelievable because what happens next is that we see that this isn't just a story that ends with a desperate man. This is a story of gentleness and grace and love. And right in the midst, right in the middle of so much violence, right in the midst of so much just gross rage and violence from him and from the townspeople and from others, right in the middle of that, you have this God, this Jesus, who steps into this moment with this man and meets him with gentleness. Like maybe you've been raging. Maybe you are in a spot where you can clean up to be in a crowd, but you get home and you're a monster to your spouse, a monster to your kids. Maybe you're in a spot where you are, are, are so gripped with addiction, with shame, with fear. What do you think? best God could do is just not punish me. And what I want you to see is that this man, so far out, so far gone, is actually met in his violence and rage and the craziness that is swirling around him. He's actually met by the gentleness and grace and love of God. Notice what happens in verse 13, we see Jesus, this, this one who changes everything, this one who has all authority, he sends the unclean spirits out. He sends them out. We have that right there in verse 13. By verse 15, we have Jesus, this bringer of life, this bringer of hope. He sets this man free to the extent where it's not like, oh, man, the demons are gone. But that dude's sitting naked out there. That guy is crazy wilding out. Jesus sets him free. He's clothed. And what do the townspeople find? They find him clothed and sitting in his right mind. He's there. Think about this. This is the dude in which you're like, that guy's the crazy one. Uh, let's move away. Let's keep our distance. Let's, let's keep our, our distance from him. And we would be walking by and pulling back. This is the one in which you grab your kid's eyes and you're like, hey, let's not watch this one. Let's, let's uh, we shield our kids. He, this guy is unclean on so many levels. He is unclean. He's living among the dead. He is a Gentile far from God. He's not, he doesn't even believe in the Jewish God. He he is unclean on level upon level upon level. And here he is. And what is happening? Instead of Jesus running away or crossing the street, Jesus actually goes right to him and sets him free. He's someone ignored. He's someone, 
He, he's someone left to himself. He's, pu- he's a guy that gets pushed to the margins, literally living on a mountain in the tombs, and yet not to Jesus. He's not too difficult for Jesus. And what we find is that there's not even a fight. There's not even a, a challenge. There's not a back and forth that we would show in some Marvel movie. There's not anything. It's God simply speaks and sets this man free. He sets him free. And the very thing that we think might get this guy pushed away from God and his grace is actually what opens all of it. He stands before God and he says, God, what would you do with me? Jesus, the son of the most high God. And friends, the very thing that you think disqualifies you from from being forgiven by God, the very thing that you think disqualifies you from being set free, the very thing that you would name and say, I'm a monster because of blank, the very thing that you carry the most shame and guilt around are the areas in which God wants to step directly into your life and set you free. Maybe you carry guilt over a a divorce. Maybe you carry guilt over decisions made in the past, people you've hurt, words said that can't be unsaid. Maybe you carry guilt over sexuality and things that you're wrestling with, an addiction that you've struggled with for years. Maybe you carry guilt and shame. And hear this, I'm not giving you a license to carry on in those things. I'm telling you where you can be set free. This man finds grace in the most unexpected way and unexpected place. He wasn't looking for us, and yet in many ways we struggle with similar things. All of us on our own are are slaves to sin. All of us on our own are hopeless. What the Bible says is that we are dead in our trespasses. We are are not even alive to the things of God. All of us in our ways, apart from Jesus, are monsters. And we have a capacity and ability to wound and hurt and, and, and do great harm to ourselves and others. And yet what we see in this text is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. There is nothing about you that causes Jesus to pull back. There's nothing that would uh, cause him to pull back from you. This Jesus changes everything. He looked this man in the eyes and did for this man what he literally could not have done for himself. There was no debate. There was no fight. It was simply God bringing grace and love and gentleness to this man. See, Jesus, this Jesus who changes everything, this Jesus is a rescuer, and we see him doing just that, literally rescuing this man. The story busts up the status quo that God only works for for some, for people who get their act together, and we're like, I'll come to God, or I'll believe in all that stuff when when I, I figure out how to solve this. Friends, you won't. You can't. I want you to notice how this unexpected story ends. 
this, this story changes everything because this isn't just a story of a desperate man. And this isn't just a story uh, of gentleness and grace coming in. This is a story of redemption. And God meets us in these places. God meets us in our brokenness. He meets us right in the areas in which we would rather, the, we would rather remain in darkness. We would rather nobody know about these things. We would rather them all kind of hang back. I would rather just move on with my life and act like it never happened. And yet God, who we, we, we lift up his name, is a redeeming God. And just hear this. That's a redeeming, redemption, is like, it's one of those stained glass words that you kind of hear in church and, and not really anywhere else. But it's actually really beautiful, and it's something that matters. It's something that we've lost and forgotten, and it matters for your life and for mine because this is where hope is found. You see, you don't want to just be like, hey, the demons are gone. Get your act together. Jesus doesn't look at him and say, the demons are gone. Now figure it out from here. It says he was clothed and he was, he, was, he was found sitting there in his right mind. And we have this account of God taking the most busted up and, and gross areas of, of this man's life and he brings beauty from it. And just for a second, just pause before you read this and think about the area that you would put in there. The area that you feel shame around the areas in which you're like i i don't really want anyone to know about this and we're not going to out anyone right now we're not going to say any of that but like think about the areas in which you would be like this i've moved past this maybe i've moved past this but i never want to deal with it again i never want to think about it again it's right there where we see redemption it's right there where we see god's redeeming Love. Notice what he says in verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, this is Jesus. Remember, the townspeople freak out. They're like, What have you done to our pigs? Leave. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Do you get it? Do you hear that? Like, like I don't want to be with these people. All they've done is hurt me. Let me go with you. You're the only one that's been kind to me. Let me go with you. And notice what happens. And he did not permit him. But said to him, go home to your friends. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on Just think for a second, how long has it been since this guy's been home? Who are his friends now? Go, go home. Go home and tell of what God has done in your life. Every time I read this, every time I, I, I read those words, I'm blown away at how the, he tells this guy to stay. And he takes the, the worst part. This guy had been running around naked, cutting himself and wilding out on the mountain and in the tombs. And now it's like, hey, these are your people. Go home and tell them what God's done in your life. 
they know your story to some extent, but tell them of God's mercy. Think of the embarrassment he probably felt. Think of the, the areas in which he was like, I don't want to be known for this. And, and, and what God does is he doesn't leave him to be known for the crazy guy on the mountain. He actually says, go and tell of God's mercy. You see, his identity changes. We are not told his actual name. He moves from a person. He, that's the crazy dude who lives in the tombs. No, that's the dude whose life changed by God's mercy. That's the drunk who couldn't get his act together. No, that's the guy whose life was changed by God's mercy. That's the lady who had an abortion and made this decision. No, that's the lady who met God and God was good to her and God was merciful. I don't know what you're carrying in today. I don't know where you feel like untouchable by God, but this story cries out that he wants to meet you. He wants to take your brokenness and do exactly what he sees here. He wants to rescue. He wants to rescue you. To bring hope where there is no hope. To bring life where you feel like you're living among the dead. And, and to actually work a miracle in your life. I don't know what you're carrying in. I don't know what those things are. But I know that we have a great God who's not afraid of them and he's not pulling back from you. Friends, before we get out of this, you need to know and think about the fact that there are other people in the story. There are townspeople and there are herdsmen and there are other folks and they don't respond the same way. They, they uh, freak out and they're like, get out of here. And the question is kind of why, and it doesn't tell us exactly. We can, we can assume one piece in which somebody owned those pigs and is not happy. But there's another part that I do actually understand because there's a part of me that's like, God, I want you to work in this part of my life. God, I want you to do something in this particular area. Don't touch all this other stuff. God, you can work, just do it by my rules on my timeline. Do it in my way. And that is just simply not how God works. Why? Because he is king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. His word reigns. And this Jesus, when he shows up, he changes everything. He changes everything. And so uh, my encouragement today, I think there's an invitation in there somewhere, is how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to respond with like, God, this was crazy. Thanks for setting this demon dude free, uh, but leave us before you make a mess out of everything. Are you going to just know Jesus from a distance? You see, these people saw what happened, but they were unchanged. And so it's possible to hear the stories of Jesus and be unchanged because you haven't actually met Jesus. Haven't actually met Jesus. Are you, going to, are you going to respond as the townspeople or are you going to respond like this man who is totally unclean and found hope and life in gentleness and the grace and love of God? Will you bow your heads with me?